What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. He probably ran to the city gates, or maybe he stood on the side of Mount Gerizim or Mount Ebal, and he yelled out to the men of Shechem. Men of Shechem, rally round me, he began to yell. Is it better? that you are ruled by 70 men rather than one of your own? Is it better that you're ruled by 70 sons of Gideon afar off or that you're ruled instead by me, that one person? Is it better that you are ruled by the sons of the Jeroboam rather than me, one of your very own? They could hear his voice echoing out over the canyon between the two mountains where his town of Shechem was. And he yells out, is it better that you are ruled by them or by me? And the men of Shechem, they come out and they look at him and they start to cheer. Yes, we will follow you. Who are you? What's your name? They knew his name. And he yelled out, my name is Abimelech. Remember that name because we are going to rule. Now all the men of Shechem yelled, yes, we're behind you. And Abimelech said, I will be your king. And they followed Abimelech. And they quit following the people of Israel. And they quit following Gideon or Jeroboam's sons. Instead, the men and women of Shechem followed Abimelech. Now, who in the world is Abimelech? Remember I told you, right? Gideon ruled and didn't rule, and he was a judge when the people of Israel came to him and said, will you be our king? And he said, no, I will not be your king. But then he fathered 70 sons, and he had a concubine in the town of Shechem who also produced him a son. And he didn't rule over them as a king, but he pretty much acted like a king. Because back then, if you were a king, you produced lots of sons, and you had lots of wives, and he had a harem, and he had lots of sons, and he had concubines, and Gideon didn't end too well, right? And it's interesting, in the book of Judges, chapter 9, the name Gideon is never used. They always reference him as Jerob Baal. Jerob Baal, which basically means, I will contend with Baal. This was Gideon's nickname. This was like a fist in the face of Baal. Yeah, Yahweh's better than you because this is essentially what they started calling Gideon when he tore down his father's idol to Baal. And after Gideon's dad said, if Yahweh's real, then he'll win. If Baal's real, then he'll win. People started calling Gideon Jerob Baal as a way of saying, 
You know, you're right. Gideon's God won. It was sort of a cool name. But the problem is, in many ways, Gideon started to lead his people in worship of another god. Remember I told you last time? He set up that ephod, which the Bible says became a snare for Gideon and his family and for Israel because people would come to worship that ephod and not Yahweh. And they began to worship other gods. Well, Abimelech was one of the sons of Gideon. There were 69 other sons and there was Abimelech. Well, the problem with Abimelech was that his mother wasn't one of Gideon's official wives. She was his concubine, a woman that he kept. He would come and hang out with and be with her, but he never officially married her. So there's the sense that the other sons, they look down their nose at Abimelech. And the other interesting thing is Abimelech's mother lived in this town called Shechem was an important town. It's interesting, when you look at a map of Israel, it's between these two famous mountains, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And the town of Shechem, you see it all the way back in the book of Genesis, where Jacob meets this other king of Shechem. His name is Hamor. And bad things happen there between the tribes, and there's a lot of animosity. And you can read the book of Genesis and hear that story, and it's really interesting. And there's just some animosity that occurs between them. The town of Shechem is between these two mountains, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And there, later on, when the tribe of Israel came back and took the land under Joshua, they went to this town. And they stood on the sides of these mountains and they yelled out the blessings and the cursings back and forth. They basically renewed their covenant to Yahweh right here. Because it was a beautiful amphitheater type sound where you could hear people shouting from the other mountain. They could hear you. And it was a place of blessing. And here they said, we're going to follow you no matter what. Yes, Yahweh is our God. But the sad thing is here, the men of Shechem in the sacred place, instead of following Yahweh, they said, no, we're going to follow you, Abimelech. And not only that, in the town of Shechem, they had created an altar to this ephod, and they, they started to worship it. And, and then they built this, this, this house called Baal Berith, which is essentially this house to this other god named Baal right here. And it says there in Judges chapter 9 that when the men of Shechem said, we'll follow you, Abimelech, they got silver, 70 pieces of silver, which would have been a lot of money. And they took it from the treasury of this temple, Baal Bereth. People came and paid money to the god of Baal and paid money to this bull god, this thunder god. And so the men of Shechem took some of this money and they gave it to Abimelech. Think about it. This is a place where they worshipped another god. But it's in a very same place where Joshua, a hundred years earlier, had renewed the people's covenant with the one true God, Yahweh. 
Now, remember I told you, right, there was some animosity between the tribe that was here and under the leadership of Jacob way earlier before Joshua came back? Well, it seems like the men of Shechem and the people of Shechem never fully integrated into the Jewish people. Or, more likely, the Jewish people had never totally shoved them out. Maybe they were strong and tough and they didn't want to be shoved out. And the people of Israel, instead of following God, just sort of began to intermingle and, you know, allow them into their lives. And it seems like Abimelech and his mother, these people had a Canaanite background. They had a strong Canaanite influence, and, and they refused to be influenced by the Jewish people. And, in, and instead of the Jewish people pushing them out and taking the land like God had commanded them, instead, they allowed the Shechemites, this Canaanite tribe, to influence them. So in many ways, when the men of Shechem rallied behind Abimelech, it was basically a pocket of Canaanite people, Canaanite tribes coming together, and they had this great Canaanite ancestor, Hamor. And Jacob and Hamor had strife, had a battle. Well, Hamor, they considered their great Canaanite king. And they're going to mention him, and we're going to do this for King Hamor, and we're going to follow him, Bimelech, and we're going to rally our troops behind this great Canaanite history that we have, and we're going to fight and take out Jeroboam, and we're going to knock that down, because that's mocking our God. We're going to take out Gideon's sons. This was a Canaanite rebellion led by Abimelech, who's telling the people of Shechem, we are tired of being ruled by these Jewish men led by Gideon's 70 sons. I'm part of that lineage. Gideon is my dad. Let's go wipe this out. So it says that Abimelech took that money, and it says he hired worthless and reckless fellows. He basically hired an army. But these were men who were thieves, probably. These were men who were bad dudes. And they would have fought and killed anybody. They had no moral compass. Well, they all rallied around Abimelech. And it says they went up to Ophrah, where Gideon and his family was. By this time, Gideon has passed away. And his sons seem to be ruling Israel. And instead, not as the king de facto, but people are treating him like kings. And Jeroboam slash Gideon's family has this large influence on Israel and what they do and where they go. And they rule from this town of Oprah. And they created this ephod, which became a bit of a snare there in Shechem. And that's how all this whole mess came up and Abimelech with these worthless men but pretty good fighters who'd kill anybody for a price they go to Ophrah and it says that they took Jeroboam's sons and they killed them on one stone now that stone, back then, they would find this huge rock. If you didn't have time to build an altar, you would find a huge stone, a huge rock. And on that, you would sacrifice your animal, whatever it was, to your God. And so many people believe what 
Abimelech did here is he took those 70 sons, he took them to this one stone and whack, chopped their heads off or killed them in some way and then sacrificed them to his God Baal right there. What a defiant thing to do in the face of Yahweh. Earlier, between those two mountains where Joshua had renewed the covenant to Yahweh, he rallies troops to go fight for his God Baal. I mean, this is a big attempt by Abimelech to take over and to have his Canaanite people push off what he perceives as the oppression of the Jewish people. And he goes up there to Ophrah, wipes out 70 sons except one, one son. His name is Jotham or Jotham. And it doesn't really say how he escaped. All it says is that he hid himself. And I don't know if he hid himself. He all of a sudden woke up and heard all the screaming and the yelling as Abimelech and his troops came in and started to find Gideon's sons and started to drag him out and sacrifice them on the altar. Maybe his mom sacrificed herself to hide him, but all we know is Jotham hid. And all he could do is watch this happen. And all he could do is watch his brothers be killed and and then he saw his half-brother Abimelech be made king at the oak of the pillar at Shechem. This was particularly a fist in the face of God because the oak at the pillar at Shechem had historically been a shrine devoted to Yahweh. Abraham had been there. Joshua had been there. This was a great honorable place to Yahweh and he is declaring himself king, Abimelech. And he's declaring himself king in honor of his god, Baal. And so, Jotham sees all this. And I don't know if Abimelech decided not to count and only killed 69. Where's that 70th brother? Doesn't really say. Maybe because he was the youngest and he thought he was weak. But he declares himself king and in the middle of his royal declaration, all of a sudden I can hear, Listen! Jotham yells down. All the people stop. And they look up in the middle of their grand parade and celebration for Abimelech, Jotham says, listen to me. And he tells them a story. He says, listen to me, you leaders of Shechem. The trees once went out to anoint a king over them. And Jotham says, they go to the olive tree and they say, will you reign over us? But he says, Hey, shall I leave my abundance by which gods and men are honored? No, I don't have time for that. So the trees go to the fig tree, which was a major staple food supply back then. And they go to the fig tree. Hey, will you rule over us? All the trees ask. And the fig tree says, hey, should I leave my sweetness and my good fruit and go hold sway over you trees? And then Jotham is yelling out. And then they go to the vine. You come and reign over us. And the vine produces grapes and wine to drink. And they said, come reign over us. And of course, the vine says, no. I'm too busy doing good things, providing for humanity. Then all the trees 
Jotham yells. They then go to the bramble. You can imagine the word bramble echoing off the mountain walls. And the men of Shechem look at Abimelech and Abimelech's anger, his face towards Jotham, because he knows what Jotham's trying to say. And all the trees go to the bramble and say, will you rule over us? You know, which makes no sense, because a bramble doesn't even remotely get higher than a tree. So how are the trees going to get under that bramble and allow it to rule over them? And the trees come to the bramble and say, come and reign over us. And the bramble says to the trees, If in good faith you are anointing me king over you, then come and take refuge in my shade, which again would have been impossible. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. In other words, he's saying, the trees go to the olive tree, and it says no. The trees go to the fig tree, and it says no. The trees go to the vine tree, and it says no. And then it goes to this nasty ugly, brambly bush. And the bramble says, yes, I'll rule over you trees, but you gotta come under me. You gotta come under my shade, which would have been impossible. But if not, then fire's gonna go out. It's gonna burn all you trees. In other words, if you're not willing to be under the leadership of the bramble, the bramble is in turn gonna come back and hurt you. Verse 16, now therefore, if you men of Shechem acted in good faith and integrity when you made Abimelech king, and if you dealt well with Jeroboam slash Gideon, and dealt well and treated his house and his children well, just as his deeds deserved, my father risked his life for you against the Midianites. And what'd you do? You killed his sons and have made Abimelech the king. If that act is in good faith and integrity, then rejoice. Because Abimelech, he's your king. And he's worthy to be king. That's essentially what he's saying. But the people of Shechem and Abimelech knew the answer. No! They didn't act in integrity. They didn't act with good faith. They rose up and they killed 70 sons and they took what Gideon did for them and treated it like it was trash. So then Jotham yells out, but if not, which it wasn't, he says, let fire come out from Abimelech and devour the leaders of Shechem. And let fire come out from the leaders of Shechem and devour Abimelech. Basically, if you didn't treat the sons of Gideon with integrity, with good faith, then may you destroy each other, yells Jotham. And then he gets out of town. And then Jotham runs. And it says he ran away and went to a town called Beer, which we don't really know where it's at, but he hid and Abimelech, when he heard this, probably sent men after them, and they couldn't find Jotham. And Jotham had just cursed Abimelech. Well, Abimelech probably went to bed that night thinking, I'm king, and what's a curse by it? The youngest son of Gideon, the weakest. Pfft, that doesn't mean anything. I don't care. I'm Abimelech. 
I am king. And Abimelech ruled for three solid years. But it would have been a bad rule. It would have been a bad rule. You know, there's no way that Abimelech ruled with integrity and good faith. Instead, he raised up his Canaanite population of Shechem, and they probably began to push out and hurt the Israelites. Well, after three years, it says something interesting. In Judges chapter 9, verse 23. After three years, God sent... This is given by God. God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the leaders of Shechem. Man, it's interesting. In this story, who's in control of all the events? It seems chaotically out of control, but in the middle of it all, God's there. And he's using men's evil intentions against each other. And it says, literally, he sends out an evil spirit to begin to make Jotham's curse become true. Because three years later, the rotten men of Shechem, who went up with Abimelech and killed 70 sons, or at least 69, and left Jotham alive, but who dealt treacherously with Gideon and his house and led a rebellion against the Jewish influence in their community and in their land and tried to push out and hurt the people of Israel. Here, the men of Shechem... They turn on Abimelech. And it seems that at one of their drunken feasts around June or July, they start to rail against Abimelech. They start to get mad at who he is and what he's done to them. And in walks somebody who's going to stir that pot. Again, where did this urge to overthrow Abimelech come from? This evil spirit that was sent out by God. And, and I think this evil spirit took the natural intentions of their heart and just magnified it. And instead of trusting in Abimelech and following him, their hearts began to turn. And a guy named Gael, G-A-A-L, he shows up in Shechem. And he shows up with his whole family, the Ebeds. A whole group of relatives, a strong little army himself. And he starts to talk Abimelech. He, he's not good, you know? Look what he did to Gideon and his 70 sons. And they start to think, well, you know what? Maybe that violence done to them is going to be done to us. And so they begin to put men in ambush around the town of Shechem. And going through the town of Shechem and around that area was a major trade route. And it seems like the men of Shechem began to ambush and raid these caravans carrying goods. And people were afraid to go through with their goods. And so all of a sudden, oop, commerce comes to a stop. It says they robbed all who passed by. And Gael, this son of Ebed, and all his relatives join in. And the men of Shechem... Instead of following Abimelech, they start to turn their hearts to Gael. And they began to celebrate Gael. And it says they went into the house of their god and ate and drank. And in the middle of this festival to their god around June or July, they began to rail against Abimelech and started to cheer on Gale. And Gale, I can imagine, in the middle of this festival, it says they go out and get drunker and drunker and drunker. 
Gale stands up and says, Who is Abimelech? You know, he's probably drunk out of his brain. And who are we of Shechem that we should serve him? And that's where this Hamor shows up again because Gale says, Serve the men of Hamor. He's the father of Shechem. Let's serve the Canaanite heritage that we have. And, you know, Abimelech, he's half Jewish. And I don't know if we should even serve him. And the men in this drunken rage, they start to reject and yell and rail against Abimelech. Man, how things changed. How fickle people are. And Gail says, if you want me to lead, I'll lead you. Then let's destroy Abimelech and let's throw him out of power. Well, Abimelech had left behind in the city sort of a mayor or a ruler or a regent of that city to watch things while he was gone doing whatever he was doing. And his name was Zebul. When he heard Gale and all the men of Shechem given their drunken rage at this festival of grape and wine to their god Baal, he sends word to Abimelech. And he says, hey, Gale, the son of Ebed and his relatives, they're stirring the city up against you. Now, where Abimelech is, it seems to be about 10 to 13 miles away. And he says, you got to come and come in the middle of the night. And bring your army with you. And set an ambush in the field. And then when they're ready, you can come in and take the city and destroy Gale. you got to stop this revolution now. You have got to squelch it in the morning. So come at night and then destroy them in the morning. So it says in verse 34 of Judges 9 that Abimelech came at night in four companies. One led by Abimelech. And then three others. And he hit them in the field and they surrounded the city. Well, when Gale comes out in the morning, you know, he's stretching, having his morning coffee. And he stands in the entrance of the gate of the city. He thinks, I'm about to own this city. This is going to be mine. And he looks out at one of the mountains. And there... Blinks his eyes, rubs his eyes, and he looks at the side of one of the mountains, and and and, and it looks like there's men coming. And little does he know there's men in the field right there, but it seems like Abimelech started his raid, and here come these men running down the mountain at Gale and his men. And he says, I I think I see men coming out of the mountain. They didn't have binoculars back then, so he could only see as far as he could. And Zebel says to him, that isn't men coming. That's the shadows. Your your eyes are making a trick with you. And Gail says, no, no, I, I think I see him. Look, look, people are coming down from the center of the land, basically from the navel of the earth, and, and they're coming. And Zebel says to him, ha. Where is your strength now, Gale? Who was it that just said that Abimelech, that we should serve him? Who was it? Who was it that said we will destroy him? Guess what? Here comes Abimelech. Go out and fight with him now. 
And I can imagine Gale drops his coffee and he runs back in. Man of Ebed, man of Shechem, let's go fight Abimelech. And they go out and they start to fight. Well, didn't go very well for Gale. Because Abimelech was angry and it says Abimelech won the battle and he chased Gale and Gale fled before him. Well, the next day, Abimelech carries on this battle, and he fights Shechem. And, and though he's chased Gale and his men off, and some of the men of Shechem, there's still a big enough contingent left that he begins to fight them even more. And finally, he takes the town of Shechem. But some of the leaders of Shechem had gone to hide in the tower of Shechem. And they entered the stronghold, and they thought, I'm going to hide behind these stones and these rocks, and I'm going to be safe. Well, when Abimelech heard that, he'd just defeated Gale and all his men. He'd just taken the city of Shechem and destroyed most of their men. And now these men and women hiding in this tower, they think they're safe? Well, Abimelech goes over. and He cuts down a piece of bramble, a piece of brushwood. And he cuts down some brushwood and he puts it on his shoulder. And the men say, what are you doing? And Abimelech says, follow me. Do what I'm doing. And he walks over and he throws his bramble at the base of this tower. And they all chop down bramble and brushwood and they take it and they throw it at the base of this tower. And then they light it on fire. And and this bramble and this brushwood, it became hotter and hotter. And the flames started to race up the side of the tower and started to destroy the wooden plankings and the, and the wooden posts. And the tower began to creak. And inside of this tower, they thought they were safe where a thousand men and women they thought, we're going to hide and we're going to be safe here. We're not going to be afraid of anything. And a thousand men and women died that day. A thousand men and women burned to death. Now, remember Jotham's curse? He said, Abimelech, fire is going to go out from him and he's going to destroy the men of Shechem. And that's what he does. He destroys the town of Shechem and kills all the men. And then he hears of this other town called Thebes, which was in, in, in league with Shechem in their rebellion to go under Gale to defeat and destroy Abimelech to rebel against him. And here he hears there's another strong tower there, and he thinks we are going to go destroy that city. Well, he goes to Thebes and he destroys it. And he kills all the men and the women in the city. And he takes the city except for one thing. They also had a strong tower. Most of the men and the women and the leaders of the city fled to this tower and shut themselves in it. And Abimelech, he's thinking, hey, guess what? I destroyed the strong tower there in Shechem. Their leaders thought they were safe, and I burnt it to the ground. This ain't nothing to me. And when he comes to this tower, he begins to fight against it. 
And again, they probably put troops outside the tower to fight him, to keep Abimelech and his army from destroying all the men and women, a thousand plus in that tower. And it says, as he's fighting and Abimelech's thinking, I'm just going to wipe out these troops and then I'm going to take my bramble bush and I'm going to take my brushwood and I'm going to burn that tower down. And as he's fighting inside the tower, there's a woman. And she's all the way at the top. And she's looking out. She's seen all the fighting that's going on. And maybe she's thinking, man, my husband's out there fighting. Maybe it was all the women and children inside the tower. We're not certain. But all we know is that there was a woman at the top of the tower. And she's looking out. And she's seeing all this occurring. She's going, I've got to do something. So she grabs a chair. I know what I'm going to do. And she throws it out the top. And hey, if I can hit anybody with that chair and whoo, conk, and maybe it hits somebody on the head and knocks them out. You know, yes, I knocked somebody out. Yes. So then they start throwing maybe a table or maybe they start throwing glass bottles down on the men of Abimelech who are trying to take their tower. And this woman, she grabs, it's called an upper millstone. Now, we're not certain what that upper millstone was. We do know a millstone was used to grind flour, but this was an upper millstone. And so either it was a big circular wheel that was very heavy, or it was more like a tube in construction. It still would have been extremely heavy, but it could have been a long tube or it could have been a big circular wheel type object. I don't know, but it says this woman, she takes this millstone, and maybe out of superhuman strength picks it up, or maybe her and a bunch of people at the top of the tower, they help her, and they're thinking, you know what? We're going to be able to take out a lot of people with this. And it says a woman throws that upper millstone out the window, and whoo, it hits one of the troops smack in the skull. I mean, this is a great hit. Maybe the other stuff she threw out just sort of hit people in the back or cut them up a little. This was a good shot, and she drops it. Or, or, or maybe they're struggling with this upper mill, and they finally look out the window, and they say, all right, who are we going to... Oh, look, there, there's somebody running towards the tower. Hey, let, let me see if I can just get this perfectly right and she says if I throw it about now perfect head and she starts to high five the people around her yes we hit somebody we are doing good and she looks out and that guy that got hit with that upper millstone is dead well he's struggling wait 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 he's struggling a little bit he's He's fallen down. Oh, I got him. Yes. Thing is, what this woman doesn't know, she didn't just get anybody. She hit the head of Abimelech, their king, their leader. She crushed his skull is what it says in the Bible. And Abimelech falls to the ground and oh, 
He's crawling towards his young armor bearer who's probably busily fighting, and he says, please kill me. And the young armor bearer looks over and, ooh, it's Abimelech. Oh, that's disgusting. You got a crushed skull, dude. Yeah, I know. Kill me. Why? Because I think it was a woman who threw that out the window, and I can't live with the idea that I was killed by a woman. That would have been too embarrassing. Please, you've got to kill me because I don't want my story in history to say I was killed by a woman. What an idiot, you know? I mean, I know it was a great dishonor back then to be killed by a woman or a child in battle. I get that. But at the end of his life, he's got a crushed skull. He's not going to live and his one big fear is his reputation? Well, this armor bearer pauses in his fight, thrusts him through, and Abimelech died. You know what's interesting is, what do we know about Abimelech? He was killed by a woman. He was killed by a woman throwing a grindstone out of a tower that hit him luckily on the head. That's what we know about Abimelech. When you Google him, that's the big story. The very thing he didn't want is the story that's told about him. And it says, when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they went back to their homes. And the writer of the book of Judges ends the sad story of Abimelech with this. Thus God returned the evil of Abimelech, which he committed against his father in killing his 70 brothers. And God also made all the evil of the men of Shechem return on their heads, and upon them came the curse of Jotham. Jotham said what was going to happen is exactly what happened. Abimelech killed the men of Shechem. But the people of Shechem, the Canaanite tribe, that group of people, they killed Abimelech. And at the end of the story, I think the thing that we can think about as believers in Jesus is simply this. You gotta do what's right. Gideon didn't do what was right by having a concubine, by having a a kid out of marriage. And because of that sin, right, Abimelech then rises up and maybe his brothers didn't treat him right. And so out of that, Abimelech has animosity. And then out of that, he then starts worshiping Baal and another god. And out of that, they then say, let's take the money to build this rebellion from the worship of this other god, Baal. And it's all a messed up story that begins with sin. And the take-home message for me is... People, we have got to do what's right in our families because if we don't, we're going to pay the penalty. It may not be as extreme as Abimelech, but your kids watch you every day. Your friends watch you every day at school. Your coworkers watch you every day at work. And you better not live like a hypocrite. You better live with love and joy and peace and long-suffering and all those fruits of the Spirit. But especially fathers and mothers, love your children. Live the right way out before them. Do what is right. 
Because if you don't, man, sin pays a terrible price. The book of Judges is full of men and women of that period did what was right in their own eyes. And Abimelech, he's their poster board. And he's also the poster board child of what happens when you do that. And I pray, may that not be said of us, but instead we will put Jesus and Scripture as the rock-solid foundation from which we do everything. And may the story of Abimelech resonate in us to do what's right as best we can every day. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.